Welcome to episode 41 of the Search with Canada podcast recorded on Wednesday the 18th of December 2019. My name is Mark Williams-Cook. I'm joined again today by Mr. Rob Lewis. Hello. And I have two very special guests, uh, Sean Clark, who's director at Clark St. James, and Michael Curtis, who is a senior SEO consultant at Further, who I'll let introduce themselves in a moment. This episode, we're going to have a roundtable discussion about our crystal ball gazing, digital marketing, SEO, PPC predictions for 2020. We'll be covering voice search, we'll be covering AI and how our roles might be changing over the next few years. Okay, before we get started, um, I think it would be great Sean, Michael, if you introduce yourselves, Sean, maybe if you go first. Okay. Uh, I'm Sean Clark. Um, I'm director of Clark St. James. Uh, we're a PPC agency based in Norwich. And um, for our sins, uh, we also help run Sync Norwich, Sync the City, which is a brilliant once a year, 54 hour startup event held in Norwich. And um, our own podcast, Click and Convert podcast. So, I've listened um, to it. Yeah, you've, been, <laughs> you've been on it? I have. So um, I've been working in digital now for, oh, crikey, 20 years. And um, yeah, we've seen some changes and they're getting faster and faster. So I can't wait to discuss some of this. Before we move on to Michael, very quickly, I'm going to give you 45 seconds to tell people about the amazing thing you're doing for charity and where they can find out more. Ah, thank you for that opportunity. <laughs> so yeah, um, silly me, in April 2020, I will be uh, running uh, across the Sahara Desert for six days, um, doing five and a half marathons, back to back, carrying my own gear in aid of walking with the wounded. So if you want to find out more about that and sponsor us or just share it, um, if you if you haven't got any pennies and, um, and, and can't sponsor us, head over to mdspodcast.com. Yes, another podcast um, where you can find out more and listen to some of the participants and some of the organizers of the event. Thank you. Very Mark. succinct. No problem. Michael. Um, so I'm Mike Curtis. I'm a SEO consultant at Further. Um, we're a search and CRO agency based in Norwich. Um, been doing this for 12 years now. Um, stumbled into a web design agency desperately looking for a job and just kept doing it. People kept giving me money. Um, <laughs> mainly kind of technical SEO pr predominantly. Um, been writing some awful code now for six years as well. I saw, I think it's either on your Twitter or LinkedIn, you, you said if you leave your terminal window open, people leave you alone. Mm. Yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> it's a great tip. <laughs> and they keep paying you. The, the, when I first learned to code, I made a point of like making my terminal like green and black, just to see how many people would walk past my desk and go, whoa, it's like you're in the Matrix, dude. <laughs> Um, in four hours, it was five. <laughs> Out of how many? Five? Uh, <laughs> oh, okay. Very good. Thank you. Okay, brilliant. Thank you both for taking time out of your day because it's super busy just for Christmas. Really appreciate it. Um, our first topic I would love to talk about uh, because it's been so hyped over the last few years uh, is voice search. So voice search, we're talking about 
all these Internet of Things devices going to people's homes, Alexas, Google Homes. We're talking about some massive predictions. So I think it was 2018, which the headline prediction was by 2020, 50% of searches are going to be done by voice. <laughs> I don't think we're quite there yet. <laughs> So what is 22 divided by 2 million in terms of percentage? Because when I did a, just a little bit of research um, pre to this, that's how many uh, cover up your home devices. OK, Google's there were um, in one of our biggest clients search terms. Um, the one thing was they were virtually all 100 percent click through rate. As you'd expect, because it's yeah. the only search result that's getting returned. Um, but honestly, um, I, you know, I use voice a hell of a lot. Uh, I use it in the car. My home is kitted out, as you'd expect from a geek. We can turn lights on and off. We use it for cooking and everything like that. But for business orientated things, um, I don't think it's been overhyped in terms of ordinary use um, and we certainly see it in younger people using using voice and it's enabler for people that are dyslexia or aren't so good at reading you know all those sorts of things it's an enabler for and it's used from a business perspective I think you have to be very careful about ju like jumping on the bandwagon if you're looking for ROI um, from voice that's my view so the the statistic there i think a lot of people i don't know whether it's fair to say backtracked but said oh that includes things like voice commands which is mm. things mm. like turning lights on and off but to me that's not a that's not a search to me like you say when we're talking search that's people looking for information that's not you know can you turn my radio on and off so is there anything then if we if we talk about seo for a moment michael is there anything uh you think realistically businesses should be thinking about doing when we're we're optimizing for voice is that is that a thing the so the problem i've got the way a lot of marketers are talking about voice is they're talking about it as a branding opportunity and they're saying right okay if you're i think the, the acknowledgement that kind of people are only using it to ask questions or get information is there um i think what a lot of marketers are doing is saying okay so you can get an answer in the and kind of have it read out and say, oh, according to xyz.com, um, this is the answer to your question. And they're saying, right, well, that's a branding opportunity and that's the value of the voice, the kind of voice search brings. Um, but like as an activation, it's not exactly an inspiring one. Like it's not the mm. Coca-Cola lorry in terms of like building brand affinity. Um, there's this big question on like how much reach there actually is on kind of answering any of these questions. So we don't know how kind of engaging that is kind of as a branding proposition. We don't know what the reach is. That doesn't plug very nicely into a media plan. And then if you look at kind of like, is there an acquisition opportunity there? Again, no, not really. Like, nobody's really using it. Outside of maybe Amazon, I think. If somebody's sitting there going, God, I'm out of blue roll. Hey, Amazon, send more blue roll. Well, shouting from the toilet. <laughs> Alexa, <laughs> don't you just press the button? Well, yeah, so they, they have those dash buttons, don't yeah. they? Has, has anyone got a dash button? So if you don't know what a dash button is, uh, if you're listening, it's Amazon released... Uh, these branded little buttons where basically you can just press them in your house. It's connected to your Amazon account and it reorders whatever that button is. And I've seen them for all sorts of things from, yeah, washing up liquids. 
um, to Haribo, which would be dangerous. I'd have no teeth after a week. Um, even, even, and I think it was maybe a bit of a stunt, even condoms, sort of wow. leaning over, you know, pressing the button because, you know, you just forget. Is that on predicted delivery yeah, as well? Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> Once every six months. <laughs> so your next delivery is 3,500. <laughs> so talking about voice, Rob, have you, have you noticed anything in the campaigns you're running over the last few years change? With, with voice search or oh, the same really um every now and then i'll see a search term that begins with okay google and when i say every now and then i mean once in a blue moon i will see it on an account i'm very much of the opinion that well i'm not a fan of intrusive advertising um sorry what's your job again <laughs> Intru- <laughs> head of intrusive advertising and in my opinion, the only real way that Google can monetize voice search from these devices, such as um, Google Hub or Alexa, is when you when you ask it a question, it's a question and answer thing, a, a request, you want some information, and it's going to suggest something that's related to it. And to me, that's just too intrusive to be practical. Um, so I don't, I personally can't see voice search stroke advertising from a pay-per-click perspective becoming particularly huge on the other hand i think there are hidden benefits of it so for example if people are asking lots of questions about a certain product then those people will be put into um, an audience list of people who are potentially interested in in a service or a product so you could maybe create an audience list for display advertising to target those people but i don't think it's a here and now um, call to action, do this right now because you've used your voice to search for something. I can't see that happening anytime soon from a pay-per-click perspective. Okay. So a lot of the guides I've seen when it comes to um, uh, voice have actually been like poo-pooed by Google, saying that, that there isn't a specific way you're going to optimise for like voice searches. The one thing that interests me, which runs across SEO and PPC, is obviously Google is, uh, in the main, it's Google, really encouraging everyone to use schema and label their data because we know they've got this longer-term plan to become this answer engine and just know everything about everything and not have to rely on the really basic medium of a web page and making you read it when it can just tell you the answer. So... Do we think so? I think it's obvious SEO is going that way in that mm-hmm. Google wants to understand things and it's in your advantage if you provide that structured data because you get you know featured snippets, all that. Do you think PPC could go the same way? Because PPC, we're, you're already giving some structured data in terms of like feeds and stuff for products, um, which I guess makes it easy to answer those questions. Do you ever, do you see that expanding in, in line with this Google, just, you know, being able to tell you about products and things rather than relying on brands? I, I think the problem is with, with voice, a, a lot of the uh, situations where you use voice, it there are so many other things that come into making that search result useful. Location, um, mm. your history, and one of the one of the things when you look at the you know if you've got access to the to the to the search data and you look at the search terms and for for people that aren't aware if you go in your Google Ads account look at keywords and then there's a, a tab there for search terms and then just filter by the word Google and you will see if you've got any or the word Siri one of the major fall downs that I see it at the moment is what's the most popular device out there it's the iPhone. 
Um, what's the most voice-enabled device in terms of mobile is iPhone, and in terms of in-home, it's Amazon Alexa. The problem is, um, which is the one that features most in those search terms? Is OK Google. Um, you know, Siri hardly gets a, 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 a saying, and I haven't seen an Alexa search um, come back in any uh, admittedly small amount of research done, but um, I haven't seen much come back there at all. Um, so it's so to, it's hard, to, to interrupt yeah. you there, and yeah. at the risk of massively exposing my ignorance with this, is the Hey Siri, Hey Google, is this not the activation? term for the search would this always appear in the search term though um well i'm seeing it <laughs> <laughs> ask, ask it yourself yeah, so, so. It, it's possible it's possible i, I agree I, I think there are a percentage of people that say okay google after they've pressed the button to activate it mm. for example um i know my other half will always use voice search and she'll press the button and say okay google and i'm like you don't need to do that just say, just okay, Google. Now. Yeah, well, she's not, she never listens, so it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> and um, so, but I think having said that, we should still see so many more people doing that. Yes. Yeah. I think there may be, who knows, perhaps there'll be an update at some point in the future where Google will highlight with a tag whether or not it's a voice-activated search or not. But well, until that's, that's then... That's been a request of SEOs for Search Console, I know, to, to, to see if we can filter by which searches were done by voice i'm gonna go the other way i think that the data is going to go away completely so i think there's a risk that there's, there's kind of a privacy risk so obviously there was that story this year that contractors um like listening to erroneous kind of triggers and we're hearing like kind of personal conversations um kind of like stuff that you wouldn't want a stranger to be listening into mm. um now, if that stuff's getting triggered and is then showing up in analytics or is then showing up in AdWords, like that's a big privacy scandal brewing. Mm. Like if if somebody accidentally activates it, accidentally sends a command to a website, somebody sitting there and sees half a private, like a transcript of a private conversation show up. Um, I don't know whether Google kind of cut that off at the past, but I think one way or the other, the that data is going to go away completely and privacy is going to be cited as the reason. Um, but again, kind of going back to what's the commercial opportunity, like why would anyone invest in this kind of big black hole that we know nothing about? It's, it's, it's like WAP, what WAP was to mobile, mm. really. It's just not, it's not there yet. You know, uh, I remember actually in the late 90s trying to sell, which is where I started my career, selling websites, trying to sell WAP mobile sites, you know, for people that, using Nokia phones. That's was... wireless application protocol for those yeah. under the yeah. age yeah. of so... 100. <laughs> <laughs> I do apologise. Um, yeah, it was the teletext. Oh, no, nobody will get that reference. Yeah, no, it, it's it was the, the Betamax. The the yeah, yeah, well, no, we're going way too far. No, I think teletext is a nice, is yeah. A nice yeah, it, 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 it really was. And, and of course, look where mobile is now. It is the de facto hmm. device and thing for PPC, for SEO. You know, it's what we're all... Um, what we're all working on. So I think voice is probably going to be the same. Um, get another 20 years under our belts and maybe we won't be using keyboard again. I think that's a really good place to to, to end that topic of voice because we're already, we're already creeping on now <laughs> with time. I think really good summary there is everyone's kind of in agreement, in agreement that we're not quite there with voice. 
Um, I've had some interesting conversations with Rob on previous episodes as well about um, Google Ads moving away from keyword-based stuff and more into intense stuff, which fits, I think, really nicely with what you said, Michael, into keywords probably will disappear because Google's just going to have its black box and say, hey, the intent's more important, mm -hmm. you know, different cultures, different languages, different way of saying things. You don't need to know that. <laughs> we need to know that. Cool. So lovely. So uh, our second topic, um, <laughs> I almost cringe as I say it, is AI, artificial intelligence. Now, do you mean AI or do you mean machine learning? So, well, I, so let's define, let's define <laughs> these terms to, because, um, you know, I'm definitely of the camp. Um, having studied machine learning that I think the word AI machine learning is overused. Um, it's definitely used for people to get investment where there maybe shouldn't be as much. But <laughs> So let, we're going to define AI. Uh, we'll, well, we'll say machine learning, um, at least in the definition I'm talking about, is a subset of AI, is, is one specific yeah. kind of branch of it. And I want to talk specifically around um, two things, two lots of things here. So kind of two separate conversations. PBC around... Google automa automation strategies. This is what really interests me. So we did an episode, Rob and I, two, three episodes ago, just about Google optimization score. Um, it was a little bit of, I think, therapy for Rob um, <laughs> and talking about the Google automated strategies because they are pushing very, very hard on this. And as Michael says, it's a black box approach of you just tell us what you want to happen at the end and press the button and we'll do it. And as I know, Sean, you've mentioned before, Google has the team of account managers who are uh, very um, assertive in that they want you to use these features. So my question, uh, maybe if we start with you, Sean, is um, so do you where do you think um, we're going to go with these autom automation strategies? Should people be using them and are they going to get better? Because, you know, I think we've concluded already that they're not they don't. They don't just work at what it, as it says on the tin. No, so it, it's a bit of um, crossover from what we were, what, what you just ended the last section on, which is that intent stuff. And as Google is getting better at understanding intent and it's getting more data around that intent, and we're going, yeah, that's good, like ticking the boxes mm. within within the machine, if you like, um, and, and giving that feedback as account managers, you know, whether that be in-house or, or agency-wise, you know, as you are almost rewarding, rewarding the dog for sitting, which is basically what you're doing, Google is learning and learning and learning and learning. Um, and it is getting there. It is getting spookily good at certain things. Smart shopping, I don't know whether you, 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 you've noticed, um, but smart shopping has come on leaps and bounds in the last 12 months, um, whereby we've got a client with enough data, we switch them to smart shopping, and we see performance re uh, improvements within weeks, mm -hmm. if not days. Um, and that's all to do with the bigger picture that Google's got available. So... I think there's a big depends. Google needs an awful lot of data to make the right decisions. And if you set up all your conversion tracking properly, and now you can assign it at campaign level. So if you assign your conversions at cam campaign level properly as well, um, then, it, then it can learn. What I detest are 
the things like Google AdWords Express, where you are given that false sense of security where you put in a few words, tell it what you do, point it at your website and give it £10 a day and Google will go off and do your bidding for you. Um, I think that is a really useful tool, but I think you need a whole lot of skills to again make sure you give the right commands to Google and the right mm. uh, focus of intent so it can go off and do the right thing. I think it's capable of, but it needs a lot of data to do it properly. This, this uh, you, you've mentioned, I think, three times there about needing a lot of data. Um, Rob, what what are your views, and I'll, I'll come back to you, Sean, on this as well. Um, there's a lot of third-party tools on the market for Google Ads that are claiming they use, quote-unquote, AI to improve performance. And how, how do you think, what what's the future in those tools when, obviously, Google has, I guess, data that they can't ever access? Well... Whenever I'm running a, a report or a review for a client, there's always one particular page I like to present, and it's always a list of the top converting search terms. And one of the things I like about doing that is that it's not like how it was 10 years ago, where there'll always be a consistent set of search terms that drove the most value or conversion. Now I often find that around 70% of all search terms that converted have never been typed in or clicked on before in the account. So they're unique search terms that, that create sales. So to answer your question, and going back to what you were saying earlier, Google has a lot of information about the intent of the user and no other company, software program, I, they can claim that they have information to this intent, but ultimately it's still gonna come back from Google. It's going to, they're gonna be using Google Ads to, or, or the double click network to define what that intent is with someone and it's ultimately google that holds that coveted information mm -hmm. of that person's previous browsing history their um, demographic makeup and what they've been searching for and what their interests are so to answer your question it's, it's going more towards intent and only google has the sheer volume of searches um, every second of the day to be able to collate that intent and and use effective machine learning or ai, AI to act on that so, Sean, then, um, yes or no, do you think Google will get there with the automated approach? Uh, yes, in some areas. And the reason I say that um, is that in the pure data-driven areas, they, they, they can get there, they can make a difference. Um, but a lot of the time, they can only ever tell you the what. And the why is the big thing that, you know, as ad managers, again, I'll say, whether agency or in-house or otherwise, you know, we're out there finding out the why. And and I think that would be a really hard one for Google to pull off. Okay, interesting. Um, Michael, let's talk SEO and AI. Mm -hmm. How do you see AI, machine learning, however we want to call it, uh, impacting the work we're doing as, as SEOs. Um, sorry, you just you said can, you can go. You can go where you like with that. I've chucked <laughs> you a very wide blanket topic. Um, what's the? I mean, the question of the why. That's the black box problem. Effectively, that's the you've got system of inputs, system of outputs. No one knows what that black box in the middle is doing. Um, that's a bit of a challenge, especially in SEO, because you find yourself going into pitches and you say, this is what's working for your competitors. Oh, why is that working? I don't know. 
um, which is a tricky thing to turn into an invoice. Um, I really like Michael's really got this business understanding from end to end. Um, I think the big challenge we've got is AI kind of creates a situation where kind of con- contradictionary opinions can be true. So I just started third. I started four months ago. Um, kind of new to the business, start discussing with my colleagues, kind of like experiences and kind of what they're doing on their accounts and what's happening on the things I'm taking over. And they'll turn around and say something, oh, we did this and it worked. And it's the exact opposite of an experience that I've had on my previous clients. Um, and it's because there's this black box and it's weighing up different signals and it's kind of creating almost a bespoke algorithm for that user intent um, that can be completely different from kind of one client or one business to the next. Um so I think the real challenge we've got as SEOs is um, almost kind of, whereas in the past, like we knew we had to put the keywords on the page. We knew we had to get links. And that was true no matter what vertical you were in. So you start needing almost like sector specific knowledge. So I used to do a lot of work in travel. Um, I know that if you're searching for a hotel, if you search something like hotels in London, every listing will have the word top in it. And it'll be top top 10 hotels in London, top eight hotels in London. Some of those will be travel agents. Some of those will be um, publishers, but that'll be the common theme that emerges. Um, and then that's the sort of, not, that, that's kind of what a ranking factor becomes. And that's an industry specific thing. I can't take that knowledge and transplant that into B2B. Right? It's, it's irrelevant. Um, but that's what a ranking factor sort of becomes. Um, so I think well, this is kind of one of my predictions for like what's going to happen to SEO in, in the context of AI is um, sort of like traditional marketing always has. I think you're going to start seeing kind of more sector specialism emerge. And just as people kind of get that instinctual feeling for what does the audience want and also how is Google reacting to what those audiences want, that becomes kind of the expertise that then gets sold on to clients. So I think then it's fair to conclude from that someone just asking what ranking factors does Google use is almost an impossible question to ask now without the context of which site are you looking at? So I think because common ones we hear are things like, um, you know, oh, you need fresh content on your website is still something I hear people say. And then when I talk to people, I say, you know, it's not necessarily true. If you have a news website, obviously by definition, news is normally a thing that's new. So it's super chronological. If you're archiving research documents, it's probably not important that they're new because the research is the research and it was done when it was done. I think the other interesting side is, kind of, does AI actually kind of analyze intent? Is actually a big question mark. So to use my hotel example, is it that users searching for hotels or looking for a range of hotels, is that the thing that AI is picking up on? Or is it just that they ran NLP on the pages that people are engaging with and figure out the word top? features prominently like they don't actually see the distribution of hotels as matching user intent they're just top equals clicks or top equals engagement mm. therefore promote sites with tops so is it dog wagging tail or tail wagging dog yeah. kind of thing what you've got going on is the same as what um you know people like myself and rob are using to build remarketing audiences mm. google is building some of the most sophisticated biggest remarketing audiences in the world whether it be for SEO or PPC purposes, and that is all they're doing. And they're using the data to build those, not necessarily understanding the psychology so much. And I'm sure they've got as many psychologists as they have analysts, maybe, maybe not. But, you know, they are 
That's kind of wild speculation. Now, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> How many psychologists it take to change a light bulb? But not as many as it does analysts to do. But yeah, I I, th- I I think that's what it is really. Is that they're they're taking the things like top, and all of those people that click on those results with the word top in, go in an audience. I mean, it's really simplistic, <laughs> and then they see what happens to that audience. And then they add something else to it and something else to it. So even in people that specialise in AI, and here I'm talking about actual people that specialise in AI, not marketers like myself who um, dip into the topic. Not the I did the AWS tutorial, I'm a pro. <laughs> yes, not the I did the TensorFlow tutorial, yeah. So the um, people that are studying, it's interesting because when you see predictions for things like general intelligence, it ranges from some experts saying 20 years and some saying 200 years, which is obviously technologically a huge difference. I mean, I think that, um, and, and we'll, we'll move on to the next topic in a moment, but I, I think we will get there in terms of even stuff like the psychology, because I think when we look at what we do in terms of, okay, we're targeting this audience and this audience like this message, um, that's still like a, a, a logical process, you know, that's not a random thing. And I, I unfortunately, it's a little bit depressing, but I'm not sure how sacred human creativity is. No, and, and if I could just add as well, the, the, the real areas where you've seen AI really work is in two games, one called Go and one called Chess. <laughs> um, and, a, and an engine called Alpha Zero has managed to, without being told anything about the game, mm. Um, basically play grandmaster level and above chess and the chess grandmasters now use um, alpha zero based engines to help them get better think about those though they are what we would call in business sector specific and those ai engines know about a certain thing you couldn't take alpha zero and get it to do search yet but that is but that that alpha Alpha zero that was a wasn't that uh without going too far off topic that was like a general model to learn that game though right you could take the model that learned go and just let it watch chess and it would then play chess right so so but that's what Mm. i'm saying so they're building Mm. these things for sector specific yeah so you know and search is a much much bigger game Mm. with much more Mm. psychology and many more variables in than even chess or go so and, and I think that's what why it means it's going to be a long, long time before it uh, really gets there. So I think the ch- chess um, originally was considered as a thing computers would never be able to beat humans at because stra- chess was a strategic game and you had to plan ahead. And yeah, I don't think it was many years. We had an AI winter, didn't yeah. we? And then, yeah, we got this investment. Anyway, yep, let's sorry. move on to our, our, <laughs> our next topic, which is related, which is I want to talk about how the role of SEOs, PPC managers, digital marketers is going to change in line with all these things, AI voice search over the, the next few years. And I guess to give you a punchy question, Sean, I'm going to pick on you um, because we, we talked about saying... Um, we think Google will get most of the way there with, say, um, you know, Google ads. And my kind of cynical viewpoint is I think Google probably wants some of the money that's being paid to agencies just directly into media spend. Um, 
do you see the role of agencies being diminished or changed as as the AI kind of starts becoming better at all these tasks? Uh, it will change. It's already changed. You, you know, some of the things that you had to do 10 years ago, don't even have to think you tick a box for now. You, you know, you don't have to try and, um, you, you know, make Google Ads go in a certain direction. Mm-hmm. You tick the box and it will, uh, and it will go there. Uh, the areas where I think agencies and, and in-house people are still going to be very important is psychology. Um, it's going to be analysis of what a user does after they've clicked on a word on the page. So a lot of conversion rate optimization is an, it, it, you know, it's a big opportunity. And there, to be fair, there aren't many agencies out there that do conversion rate optimization really well. Um, and because it's a big, big thing. So there's that. And there's the creative side. I mean, uh, Google, oh, I'm saying this tongue-in-cheek, but Google do suggested ads. <laughs> 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 but you have to be really careful what you actually allow it to do because it doesn't know the purpose of the campaign and why the MD asked you to create that campaign because they wanted to feature number one for this phrase over and above everything else. Um, and that our brand values mean you can't use that word. They're the things that, yeah. that that aren't known. So, so I think we'll, and the, the one job will probably be the analysts will now, rather than do so much analysing because Google will be doing it, will be the interpreter for what Google was doing. Yeah, and you'll see that in SEO, mm. Michael, wouldn't it? It's trying to understand why it's making the decision that it is, and then adjusting the machine so that it makes a slightly better decision. And so you, you probably have interpreters basically. I think some of the closest client relationships I've formed over the last few years have been from when I've worked on accounts that are quite big and I've tried to humanize all of the data that Google has supplied and helping the client to um, make actionable decisions about them to improve their business, not just in terms of improving the product, but improving the customer journey, the the flow, the, the communication, how they communicate their brand to um, to visitors. So I think moving forward, there'll be a lot less hands-on hard grafting with the accounts because, as you said, there'll there'll be um, you know tick a button, tick, press a button, and Google will go off and do what you tell it to do. Um, so I think a lot of it is going to be consultancy based um, and um, helping, as you say, to translate what google's doing and to to to, i suppose to point tell google point to where it should go in order to to make the best to generate the best results and how do we see seo the role of seos changing over the next few years um so i think there's it, it depends what sort of seo you are I think there's two levels. I think firstly, most places it's going to be industry specialism is going to rise and people just more intimately knowing the audience and how the models are reflecting those audience. Um, I also think there's probably a bit of a golden age for spammers coming in the next few years. Excellent. Um, (laughs) So the problem is, is these aren't doing particularly complicated understandings at this stage of kind of audiences. I think they really are just saying this word correlates with clicks. So pages with this word get a boost. I think the AI is not doing anything much more sophisticated than that. Um, somebody else can, like, machine learning models are not hard to build. Um, somebody else can come along and start working that stuff out 
Um, and then we're right back to the old days of I'm going to stick the keyword in 10 times into the footer and now I rank only just a more sophisticated method of that. And until a, until kind of Google start hitting that threshold where they can do kind of more sophisticated kind of um, understanding of, of kind of intelligence, they're not going to be able to counter that. They've got a kind of fairly surface level algorithm. So I think it's just going to be a case of everything that's old is new again. And even like on the legitimate end, like there'll still be that sort of the AI thinks that you should have the word top in your title tag. So you have to put the word top in your title tag, regardless of like audience intent or whether you kind of match out how good of a job you're doing. Like I think that that sort of optimization is still there. It's just going to evolve on a little bit. One of the things I've noticed is, so we had a lot of discussion recently around BERT, mm-hmm. which was the kind of new Google method of uh, analyzing things like the order of the words in a sentence and applying different importance to certain words to it. And they found it was much better at understanding the meaning. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, we had the wave of articles of how to optimize your site for Google. But the thing I took away from this actually is that there are probably things you can do to make your site rank better, but those things now you are basically optimizing for people, <laughs> i.e. you're just making better content um, rather than I'm doing a thing so a robot understands this. So if, say, you're adding additional, you know, going really old school, like, you know, late 90s, you were adding additional keywords onto the page and sometimes making it harder for a human to read Mm. because the robot was so basic that this is just what pressed its buttons. And I think a lot of the content stuff now, I find at least that I'm helping internal teams um, and and guiding them on isn't so much optimizing for for robots. And I I try and even not mention SEO. I'm just like, well, actually, if we think this would be helpful for the user if if we did this, and then kind of under my breath being like, and it'll make you rank better. From a, as a technical SEO, mm. this is really interesting to me. So my thought would be, you know, at the rate at which uh, Google is advancing in terms of its crawling, indexing, passing technology, I thought a few years ago was going to outpace the different technologies on the web, and then yeah. technical SEO might become less important. And I guess I'm throwing this out there if you agree, because I I have felt recently that technical SEO is more important than ever. Yeah. So I think you, I had the same opinion kind of four or five years ago. Um, but then along came JavaScript. <laughs> um, I, I think kind of where we're at now, I think the next two, three years is kind of peak technical SEO. I think the reason that technical SEO is so important is because the web dev industry is just a garbage fire at the moment. Um, but there, there, is, there does seem to be a little bit of acknowledgement of that kind of building out there. Like if you look on dev forums, if you look on dev Twitter, um, that pushback against, hey, why are we sending a 10 megabytes worth of JavaScript for somebody who wants to read a blog post? That's mm-hmm. crazy. Like that that acknowledgement does slow, slowly start to be building. And I think once, basically, once that kind of gets out there, I think kind of usage of these frameworks either diminishes or like the holes in them are patched. Um, I think technical SEO will be right back to what it looked like it was always going to be, which is something for really massive sites that have problems that 99% of the web doesn't. Because I mean, at the moment, the I mean, the solution that kind of surprised me for a lot of these frameworks, right, is that 
there isn't like a graceful fallback for a lot of them. Mm. Google is just saying, can you just please make a whole other version of the website that's pre-rendered just for us and oh, and Facebook and, and stuff, please? Because to me, that doesn't seem to be solving the problem. That's like, you yeah. know, that's creating a whole load of work. You know, if, if, if you get involved with the develop, development of a site late on and it's, you know, built in anger or something, and then you're like, oh, yeah, you're going to need to just make a whole other rendered version of this site. You know, you don't tend to get a warm reception mm. from developers, right? Yeah, they, they genuinely don't like that, no. <laughs> I find they, they, they don't understand it. So, you know, going to the right basics of structured markup, um, conversion tracking, those sort of things have always been seen more as marketing-led mm. initiatives rather than a requirement for a, for a website. Um, so, 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 yeah, I mean, it's like the web development community are going down one track and what we need to do for SEO and PPC mm. is going down another track and slowly they're converging. But I, I don't, don't know about you, Michael, Rob, but I find half my time spent working with clients is actually working with a web development yeah. agency, educating them what a good page layout looks like <laughs> and, and you know, from an end user perspective and how to install Google Tag Manager. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think it's it's Conway's law in action. It's um, so Conway's law. It, I think it was a computer scientist in the seventies. So he was kind of going into business and installing these big mainframes, and he made the observation that um, kind of the way systems work reflects the communication structures of those organizations. I just googled and that's almost word for word. <laughs> <laughs> I've managed to like cram it into every PowerPoint just to like feel smart. Um, and I think it's a perfect example of that. So I think in a lot of organizations, the developer resource is, this is the corner where the computer people go and they do computer stuff and we're all very intimidated because they use words that we don't understand. And then that ends up being reflected in the kind of, like they go off and go, oh, this is a shiny toy. This looks fancy. I want to play with the shiny toy. They have no kind of, they don't know or care about the commercial impact of that. They're just off in their own bubble. Nobody's got the kind of skills or the language or the ability to challenge them on it because they're like, get back in your bubble. Um, so yeah, these messages just kind of keep cropping up again and again. It's a, it's a weird one as a technical SEO because I'm sitting there saying like, like I can sit there and diagnose problems all day every day, but like as, that's just kind of taping over the cracks. The real problem is kind of like an organizational structural mm. problem, and it's, it's again you're hired as an SEO. Like is that what a business is hiring you to kind of talk to them about? Probably not. So you kind of run into a bit of a roadblock there. I mean, I guess, sorry. I was going to say we see similar things with pay per click actually. When um, you're running an account and you can drive all the targeted traffic in the world to the website, but ultimately, the reason some accounts just don't fail to convert, no matter how how much of a wizard you are at pay per click, you can't make people buy something if there's organisational or issues with the website, mm. um, and it reflects the product, it reflects the website itself, and it reflects. The business practices that they're employing um so sometimes the real change to make a business grow needs to come within first rather than the uh the activities that are driving yeah. the traffic to the site i was gonna say i can understand this from a developer point of view in that a lot of developers do actually think about the user but there's a lot of stuff say for seo that will fall through the cracks like you know canonical tags href langs server-side rendered versions the user is never going to see any of these things. Google Analytics, Tag Manager. So it doesn't enter the developer's mind when they're building the site and then they're thinking about the end user. But the user experience starts normally at search. 
<laughs> so if you actually talk to someone about someone wants something, what's the first thing they do? The product you build needs to enable them to get from that initial I want this to your website. And yes, if it's PPC or driving them through, they need they need to actually convert as well. So, yeah. so maybe that goes in line with, you know, as Google is understanding these sites better, as PPC is getting more competitive, one of the things companies should be focusing on is this organizational thing of realizing that the customer touch points are going across sales, marketing, developers, and, and you know, we need to get everyone in a room and, and I want to say fight to the death, but yeah. talk, talk <laughs> things I mean, through. I, what I would add to that as well, it's not a far cry to understand that Google is generating or, or, or collating all this data to build a business and to build a smoother mm. and, and a more efficient machine. So when you're building a website, think of it the same way. You know, connect everything up. Make sure everything can be tracked mm. all the way through, every click, uh, you know, every movement. They shouldn't, you know, even if you're not going to use the data for the next five years, you're building that website for a business goal. Make, just make sure everything can be seen. And I, I think then they, it makes our jobs then easier when, when we come in. We're not spending, you know, two weeks in the initial setup trying to get tag manager in place properly or trying to get structured markup, you know, done. Because actually, if you've got job listings, you know, there is a way to list a job in structured markup that means it instantly appears in Google. Why wouldn't you do that? Um, so it's just taking that bit of thought. What's the end goal and make sure that, you know, you've got all those bits joined up really for the business as much as the user. And then the visitor rejected cookies. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah. we're, we're fast approaching um, our time here. So if we can, if we can summarize, I just, I would love you all to give one prediction and bit of advice for 2020 what you think businesses should think about what they should focus on what should what should they be doing we have to start with you michael mm -hmm. um just breaking down silos i think that's the most important thing for any business um and everybody kind of involved in one i think um like regardless of kind of how intelligent you think google is or any aggregator and kind of how they work like people will find you through an aggregator you've got to understand what they want before they arrived on your website um regardless of kind of how you execute on that that will evolve over time um but as long as you've kind of got people on one side sitting there going i'm going to make a website depending on what i think is good and somebody else then trying to retrofit stuff on top of it that's just never going to work take the lock off the it room door <laughs> i like it rob my major prediction for next year by the end of next year is that google will revoke the ability to manually bid in Google Ads and everything's going to be automated and they're already pushing a lot of vanity metrics at the moment such as search impression share and I think my recommendation would be to advertisers to remember um, remember their, their return on investment targets and remember that ultimately it's about making a profit it's not about Reach. Optimization score. Yeah, it's not about optimization <laughs> score or reach if that reach isn't generating a profit. I mean, a little bit off the back of Rob, because if Rob is right, I really believe that businesses have just got to better understand their end user. Hmm. If they if they do that one simple thing is know their target market, understand their user, 
or their users. You know, it doesn't have to be a single target market. It could be multiple. They really, really understand that. They can apply it to anything and it doesn't matter what automation Google puts in place. Um, you can benefit if you really understand what drives your user and what turns them on and what makes them convert. I really like that bit of advice. It's like what Michael said about, uh, you know, maybe developers just kind of playing with a new thing. It's very easy to get distracted by new technologies, new tactics, new techniques and actually forget the core of what you're trying to do. And actually what Google's probably trying to measure, which is are you are you giving the user what they want as quickly as possible so we can make as much money as possible from ads? Just to add to that, developers, don't forget, your end client is the business. So where the website, <laughs> you're attracting the user, the web developers, it's the business. So think about your end client. They won't. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, everyone, for taking the time to join us on episode 41 of Search with Canda. Um, this is it now for Christmas. So this will be going out on Monday the 23rd. So everyone that's listening, I hope you have a lovely uh, break. I hope you've got some time off over Christmas. Um, I know there are some people that will be working over Christmas. Um, I hope you have a lovely time as well. We are not going to be back until Monday the 6th of January 2020. That will be when our next episode goes live. You can get the transcription of this episode um, and we'll put some links to all the things people have mentioned at search.withcanda.co.uk. My name is Martin Williams Cook and I hope you enjoy your holidays. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. <laughs> <laughs>